Hi, my name is Nick Smith, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Now, after three years, five flight instructors, and over $22,000 out of my bank account, I was finally able to achieve my dream and become a private pilot. Now, I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and over 10 years experience as a flight test engineer. So if it was that difficult for someone like me, no wonder eight out of 10 student pilots never end up becoming a pilot. So this is why I created Part-Time Pilot, and this is why I'm creating this podcast. This podcast will be your audio ground school and just another way Part-Time Pilot is making flight training easier and more consumable for you. So with over 300 students and counting that have used our content to pass the FAA private pilot exams, I hope that you can use this podcast to become the next student to do so. So thank you and I hope you enjoy listening to the Part-Time Pilot audio ground school podcast hey what's up future pilots do you still rent or borrow your aviation headset from your flight school i remember when i was a student pilot i definitely borrowed for over a full year from my flight school before i was gifted my own set but flying in southern california i can tell you right now that every student who borrowed those headsets was just filling those ear pads with sweat and grime every single time and every single time I put on those headsets I thought about that and in fact there was quite often when those headsets would stop working because they had so much use by so many different students so it was kind of an inconvenience before I had my own set of headsets but at the time like it made sense because I wasn't willing to fork over 500 to a thousand dollars for a headset you know I wasn't willing to give up that's like four to six flight lessons. So I couldn't afford that for a quality pair of headsets. Well, with Core Aviation, you can get a quality, durable, and good-looking headset for less than $200 or even $100. So I heard of Core from a friend and had to try them out myself. I'm always on the lookout for ways that my students can save money while still getting a quality product. So I went out and I bought a set of KA-1 Core headsets for my own and was amazed at the similarities in comfort and audio quality that they had with my Bose headsets or the David Clark models that I had borrowed from the flight school. So this Core KA-1 headset, let me just tell you some of the things that comes with this headset at the low price of under $200. It's got five-year manufacturer warranty service in the U.S., High-density acoustic foam ear cups with best-in-class passive noise attenuation, up to 50% higher industry standard passive noise reduction rating of 24 dB, ultra-soft silicone gel ear seals that allow your ears to breathe so they don't get super sweaty up there, dual-volume controls for quick adjustments in each ear, electric noise-canceling flex-boom microphone for quiet communication, Gold-plated plugs for best connection and corrosion resistance and to limit the amount of times you have calm issues while you're up there flying. Very, very important. And it even has a 3.5mm audio port for iOS, Android, MP3 compatibility if that's something you want to do. And the best part is that the ones I got are still going strong after three years of continuous use. And sometimes I give my passengers my Bose ones and I use the core aviation ones. So... To all, everyone that's listening that wants your own headset and wants to you know, be that official pilot and not borrow those sweaty rental headsets at your flight school, go check out Core Aviation at 
coreheadset.com and this is core with a k so that's k-o-r-e headset.com or k-o-r-e-h-e-a-d-s-e-t.com and then use the coupon code here's the even cooler part coupon code part-time pilot to get 10% off so you guys know how to spell part-time pilot that's no spaces p-a-r-t-t-i-m-e-p-i-l-o-t part-time pilot no spaces use that coupon code you'll get 10% off and right now core aviation is doing a sale and they have no shipping cost so you shipping is free so that means you can get their p1 general aviation headsets which are like normally 120 dollars you can get the and now they're like 109 on sale for 109 you get free shipping and then you get an additional 10 percent off if you use the coupon code part-time pilot so you can get your own headset that i that has comes highly recommended by myself for less than a hundred dollars so core is a great great new company and they are awesome first headset for students so go check it out and they also look pretty cool i think and they're comfortable so go check those out again it's coreheadset.com core with a k use coupon code part-time pilot Hello, hello, and welcome to the Audio Ground School podcast. My name is Nick Smith. I'm the founder, creator of Part-Time Pilot, and your host for this podcast where I go through every single lesson of our Private Pilot Online Ground School in audio format. So you can listen and consume stuff on your commute to work, your commute to the airport, you know, whatever it is that you're commuting to, you can consume some content and save yourself some time and study on the go. So today's episode, we are going to continue our lessons on the cross-country planning section. So if you're following along, which I highly recommend because when you really combine the audio with the visuals in the ground school and the quizzes in the ground school, videos and stuff like that, it's really going to all come together. I highly recommend, you know, reading the lesson, doing the quiz, watching the video, and then afterwards you know when you go on a run or you work out or walk or drive commute whatever you listen and then by that time you've consumed it like two or three different times and it's really going to sink in so if you're following along go to my courses we're in the step one private pilot online ground school lessons course this is going to be all the lessons videos audio lessons quizzes for the ground school content and then we're in section 12 which is on cross-country planning and we've been following along we're about 60 percent of the way 70 percent of the way through this giant section and we're on ground speed and magnetic heading now one thing i want to note and i'll summarize kind of what we've been doing we've kind of been building a mental nav log as we go through these lessons doing examples and things like that i still teach this because you're going to need to know it for your flight lessons flight training your instruct flight instructor is going to expect you to know it and you're going to need to know it to plan your cross-country scenario on your check ride exam you're going to be quizzed about these topics from your examiner on your checkride oral and you need to be able to fly these calculations on your checkride exam. So it still needs to be taught, but a lot of ground schools sort of just focus on the FA written. And I get it that that's the first thing you want to focus on. And right now, what we've been seeing, and this is not reflected in all the ground schools out there. In fact, I, I sort of have a, you know, an account for almost all the online ground schools and test preps out there and i kind of keep tabs on, on what they're doing you know just as any good business would my competitors 
and none of them have updated their question databases for the changes that we're seeing in the FA written exam. We had a live webinar a few months ago about these changes. We talked to the FA Airman testing branch about these changes. They said they were going away from calculation-based questions, especially multiple step calculation questions and interpolation questions. Now, when I asked them, you know, when did you, they're supposed to notify us, right? Supposed to notify when they do this. Well, they said, yeah, we notified everybody in like 2015. So what they do is they notify people of a change, but they don't necessarily make the change right away. You know, it's government stuff. Things work very slowly. So, but now we're seeing the fruits of those changes and the FAA written is really shifting to factoidal type questions. It doesn't mean you don't, you know, you can't, you don't have to understand this stuff. You still have to understand this and it's worth your time to understand it and not just memorize these facts and these concepts about weather and aerodynamics and regulations that you still have to understand, you know, why they are and the fundamentals about them, because that's going to make you a better pilot. It's going to make your flight training lessons much easier. It's going to save you from ground lessons with your instructors. It's going to save you money. It's going to make the check ride a lot easier. So there's no use just memorizing for the FAA written. I know a lot of people do that because you're going to have to learn this anyway. So might as well just study one time like we do in the part-time pilot ground school. So anyways, I'm a little bit off topic, but they're heading more towards, you know, factoidal sort of questions and leaving the calculation questions for the check ride where an examiner can really see. And I think this is smart where examiner could really see whether you're doing it right or not. It's kind of hard to judge that with multiple choice type questions. So they're going away from those. Doesn't mean you won't get any on the exam, but it's important to note that we're seeing a lot less. We might have see like anywhere from six to 10 sort of calculation, interpolation, sort of weight and balance, you know, performance questions. And now we're seeing maybe one to three maximum. Some students are saying, you know, they didn't see any of them. So this is really important that you know this, but also don't go through cross country plan planning section of our ground school and just think you're never going to need to know this. Just have it in your mind that, hey, if it doesn't click 100% right now, that's okay. You still want to learn this. You still need to know this, like I said, for your flight lessons, for your check ride. But if your ultimate goal is to prepare for the FAA written, use the FAA written summaries at the bottom of each lesson. Use the quizzes and our practice tests and our flashcards that we have in our bonus course to really dive into that. Now, I don't want people to just, that means they need to skip this right now. Please do not do that. It's going to make you a better pilot. It's going to make it easier in the long run. But I just wanted to throw that out there. I want you guys to have all the information that we do and to help make your lives easier. So with that said, let's kind of talk about what we're going to talk about today. So ground speed and magnetic heading, lesson 13 of section 12. So, so far we've been building this, you know, we've been stepping through our nav log. We've plotted our course. We've came up with our checkpoints, our altitudes. We've measured our true course, found our magnetic course. We've gathered our winds and temperatures. We've calculated climb and descent performance to figure out the distances it'll take. We've reviewed airspeeds, indicated true, calibrated, and ground speed because we're going to, you know, obviously we're talking about these airspeeds in, in the last couple lessons and now ground speed in this lesson. So we need to do a review of what those are. And then last couple episodes, we calculated true airspeed two different ways. We calculated the true airspeed one way for our climb phases of flight and then one way for our cruise and descent phases of flight. And then today, now that we have true airspeed for all our checkpoints, we have true airspeed, we have the winds for all our checkpoints, and now we can determine ground speed and our wind correction angle. 
and then our wing correction angle is going to give us our magnetic heading. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get to that, let's continue the tradition of reading off some reviews. You lovely people leaving us some great reviews. So if you want your review read off, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and I'll read it off here on the podcast. Or if you don't have Apple for your podcast, you can go to trustpilot.com and just search for part-time pilot and leave us a review there. It's a reputed review service. You can't, you know, you can't get fake reviews on there. I remember why I tried to leave myself a review at the very beginning and they wouldn't let me. They, they knew what was up. Anyway, so go ahead and do that and I'll read it off on the podcast. And then, yeah, so let's read off a couple of reviews. Okay, this is from Trustpilot and it's from Anthony Cathcart. Thank you for leaving a review, Anthony. It's five stars and says, new student perspective. So I just signed up with Part-Time Pilot after it was recommended to me by the flight instructors and students at the flight school where I completed my introductory flight. The information is provided in a clear, concise format that is easy to understand. It's already helped me understand and build on the information I've learned during the introductory flight. I highly recommend Part-Time Pilot. That is awesome. Thank you, Anthony. So cool to hear that flight instructors and students at flight schools are recommending us. You guys know, I've said it before, but the word of mouth and recommendations from friends and fellow students and flight instructors is the absolute best marketing. So if you like the podcast, please tell your friends, tell your, tell the students at the flight school and your flight instructor, because there's no better marketing. I, I couldn't buy Facebook ads or billboards or anything that would do any better than your guys's recommendations to your fellow student pilots. So thank you guys so much. All right. Here's another one. And thank you to Anthony for that review. Great review. Here's this one from Chelsea Ross. Five stars. Part-time pilot has been a great ground. Dot, dot, dot. Part-time pilot has been a great ground school for me. It covers every topic you need to excel and pass your private pilot license. Nick teaches via visual aids, videos, audio, reading, podcasts, flashcards, you name it. You can tell he truly cares that his students understand the foundation and builds upon it. I'd recommend this ground school to anyone. That is super nice. Chelsea, thank you so much. Again, the fact that you'd recommend our ground school to everyone means the world to me. Thank you for pointing out all the things that we have included. And thank you for the review. All right, let's do one more. This is from Rob Morin five-star review halfway and loving it about halfway through at this point and the content is very thorough and well put together nick and the team have done a great job and have this pretty much down to a science you can tell nick's commitment to helping every student by all the resources he makes available including himself would recommend this over the other ground schools as there is more of a personable aspect to this community that you couldn't recreate elsewhere rob thank you so much this makes me so happy to hear reviews that come in that talk about the personable aspect and community and my commitment to helping every student and making myself available because that was the goal that I when I started part-time about that I wanted to portray and have my students feel because so many student pilots are out there flight training industry is so confusing to new people that you really need like some sort of mentorship and when I went through pilot training myself, I made so many mistakes because I simply just didn't know what the next step was. And I made the wrong turn so many times. If I had someone kind of leading me through with my best interests at heart, I would have saved thousands of dollars. And I know that so many people, thousands of dollars can be the make or break, whether they become a pilot or not. So 
that's what I wanted part-time ballot to be some. So freaking stoked that, excuse my language, I, I didn't say it, I said freaking, but I'm really stoked to hear that people are realizing that. So thank you, Rob. I really appreciate that review. All right, so that's enough of that. Let's get now to our listener question. And this one, I don't think we've covered yet on the podcast. If we have, then that's okay because it's a good question. But someone in the Facebook study group asked, what are the recommendations for pilot gear? You know, I'm just getting started in the online ground school. What materials do I need to be a student pilot for the ground school and all that? Well, so we actually have a page of recommended products and we do it a little bit differently, right? We don't just say, hey, buy all this stuff. And this is one of the things that really ticked me off about flight schools is I went to a flight school and they said, hey, you know, this is this is kind of how we do things. We use these books. So here's a, you know, a bundle of books for $120 that we'll sell you right here. We'll include it in your package. And, you know, you're just kind of you just want to get going. You don't want to say no to people. And if I'm kind of a sucker. So I just said, yeah, only to realize, like, well, these books hardly ever change. And I could have gotten, you know, a year old book used on Amazon for $20 or I could have found an online ground school that and free FA resources that tells me the same stuff. So that kind of ticked me off. So what I wanted to do is create a list of and separate it by things you absolutely need for ground school and flight school that you can't you can't get around. You absolutely need it. Things that are kind of nice to have that they're going to help you. They might make things easier for you along the way. And then things that are just fun to have, right? So I made a recommendation page and I'll put this in the show notes. It's shop.parttimepilot.com slash forward slash essentials. And it lists off links and it has all the ones that I recommend that I've used personally myself. So like the plotter tool I like to use, the E6Bs, the, you know, knee boards, things like that, all ones that I've bought and purchased myself. So I know that they're good. You know, chances are you could get a defective product, but I know they're good. I did my research that they had good reviews and then now I've lived through these products. So they're all my recommendations and we have links to those and they all keep in mind price. So there's a few things on here where if you're, you know, if you're not strapped with money, you might want to get it. For example, like Bose headsets, right? Those are obviously one of the best headsets. So if you have the money, go for it. But we also have an option that is a really, really great option. And we actually have a coupon code. Let me get to that and we'll just talk about these and you can, I'll put it in the link in the show notes so you can see all these things for yourself. So the first section is stuff you'll definitely need for ground school. So you're going to need a far aim. So I recommend you can find websites where these are free. You can get by at the beginning of ground school without one, but I recommend getting used to being able to find things in this because your examiner might check ride or your flight instructor might ask you to, you know, find a FAR and you want to have that with you at all times. So you're going to need a FAR aim. You can get them on Amazon, less than $30. And then you're going to need a plotter tool. Okay. So this is to measure true courses and distances on your sectional and terminal area charts. And then you're going to need an E6B flight computer. So there's uh, the manual paper ones or there's the manual metal ones. So the paper ones, you know, they sound cheap or whatever, but I've had a paper one for 
for over 12 years and it's not really paper it's like a thick cardboard you know but it could get water damaged i guess mine's never been water damaged so i guess that's why people go for the metal ones because obviously it's more indestructible but it's got the you know the sliding wheel and really cool old school it's amazing what you can calculate with that but then they also now have electronic e6b's so they have one they have an asa version and then they have a sporties one and these are allowed on the fa written exam so you can take your plotter tool and you can take your e6b on the fa written exam now i recommend using the manual ones and you can just get the paper one like i said mine's lasted 12 years so i don't think there's a need for the metal one metal ones around 40 to 50 dollars paper ones around 15 to 20 dollars i recommend the manual one Learning how to use that, I think, makes you a more complete pilot. Now, people will scoff at that and say, why there's so much, you know, technology these days. You can just use an app on your phone or you can, you know, get one of these electronic E6Bs to take with you on the written. And that's true. And these apps and the electronic E6B from like Sporties that we have tutorials in in the course, they do make a lot of calculations a lot easier. But what happens if you're flying and you need it or you're on some some flight somewhere and the batteries die right or that gets wet and it no longer works for me i want to be able to be a great pilot and navigate and calculate no matter what the situation so in the odd chance that that happens my batteries die or they get wet i know i have the confidence that i can still figure things out with my paper u6b so that's what i recommend that's just me i always want to have you know being a general aviation pilot you look out there and I know my wife tells me this all the time. There's a lot of accidents. And so there's a lot of little things that you can think of with like, what would make me a better pilot? Just these small little details that I think, you know, there's a lot of unfortunate situations that can't be avoided. But if there's a small detail step that I can do to make myself more prepared as a pilot, I think that's going to give me a better chance of being safe up there. And that's what I'm all about. So knowing how to use a manual E6B just gives you that little bit of an edge in that situation. So I recommend those, but we also have the electronic E6B. I recommend the sporties ones. I think you can get them for about 80 bucks and we have tutorials in the ground school for every single function in there so that you can be prepared to use that on the FA written exam. It does make things a lot easier. And then you'll also need the FA figures, images and figures supplement. That's the airman testing supplement. That's free or you can buy a physical version right? So, or you could print it off, but printing and ink costs these days are incredible, but we have links in here for both the, the free version that you can download and you know, the paper version on Amazon, it's like 12 bucks. So I recommend getting the paper one, you know, it's just 12 bucks and you can, so when you're practicing FA written questions, cause these are all the figures that they're going to use on the FA written. And we use a lot of those same figures in our online ground school. So you can use your plotter tool and actually see these images visually. And when you need to measure things and stuff with the plotter tool, it makes it a lot easier to have the physical version instead of sticking your plotter tool on, on the computer screen or your iPad screen or something like that. All right. So then that's, that's everything you need for ground school, basically a plotter tool an E6B far aim and everything else is included in our online ground school. So if you go with part-time pilot as your online ground school, you don't need any additional books. You know, we do have the ultimate private pilot test prep book and you can buy that on Amazon for $37, but you don't need it because when you get the ground school, you get the PDF of that for free. So you don't need it, but I know for me, I like to 
I like to study on the beach, at the park, you know, sometimes where I don't have my computer and I don't like, I don't even own a printer, so I don't print things off. So I like to buy books. I'm a book guy, so I like to have physical things I can write notes in. So that's what that's for on Amazon. It's like all test prep books, but on steroids, got images and figures like other test prep books do not. So you could get that, but you don't need to. So the online ground school cover literally has everything. It's written based off all the FAA material. So the PHAC and Airman Flying Handbook. And we also have links to all those FAA materials listed in the ground school. So it's one of the first lessons that says, hey, here's all the electronic links to all the FAA material that we base this course off of. And then our course is just basically making that stuff easier to consume, adding quizzes, adding videos to it, and adding a little more detail than the FAA in some situations, like more examples and stuff to make it easier to understand. But there's nothing else you need with our ground school. I know some ground schools, they require you to get some test prep books or something like that. Nope, you just need a far aim, and that's about it. We provide everything else. If you want, like I said, to get physical copies of stuff, you can do so if if that floats your boat. All right, so that's everything you need for ground school. Stuff you'll need for flight training. So you're going to need a logbook. Again, you can get these on Amazon for like 11 12 13 bucks. So you're definitely going to need a logbook. You're going to need a knee board. Now, it might be worth asking around at the flight school or flying club if anyone has an old knee board they're willing to give up. I did that and I got a free knee board and it's still the knee board I have today. So you can just get a, a simple like Asa knee board and maybe ask one for free, but they're about 30 to 40 bucks on Amazon. Or you can get one that has an iPad, you know, it has the ability to put your iPad in it. Now they are kind of limited on the sizes of iPads. So you want to make sure that your iPad matches the size of that. But we recommend one that has, we really recommend one that I, I have this one as well. And we also recommend an iPad that matches the same size as this one. So just make sure your size of your iPad matches and the ones that we recommend in on this page, they do match. So that way you can have your iPad right on your knee and you can also have notes and, and pencils and your plotter and maps and all that as well as backups in your little knee board. And then a flight bag. Now, you don't absolutely need this. I say this in here. You could use an old backpack. That's what I did for many years until I got a flight bag. But a flight bag, they are kind of unique in that they have, you know, they have holders for other things that we'll mention like a like a flashlight, some sunglasses, you know, uh, your knee board, your iPad things like that so there's some cheap flight bags for 44 like 44.99 here in here that i recommend that's the flight bag that i got at first and then i moved up and got you know like kind of a a faux leather looking cooler looking one that uh, i also have in here i think any bag works i mentioned in here so if you have a backpack that's totally fine you don't have to have a flight bag but i i included some in here then we have a flashlight. I think this is required, especially for night flying. And you want to get a flashlight that has a, you know, different color settings. So like a red color setting because you want to avoid bright white lights at night to avoid night blindness, which we'll talk about in an upcoming episode. So you want one that has the feature to, to allow for night lighting or a red type of lighting so you can read stuff in red light. We have this one linked here. And then you want to get some sunglasses. It's recommended the pilots use non-polarized sunglasses and this is a must especially if you're flying you know anywhere sunny but usually anywhere when you get up there and maybe maybe you even have clouds below you you got bright white lights bouncing off 
from all directions and it can get pretty serious. So you definitely need some sunglasses it's recommended. They're non-polarized so that they don't, if you have polarized ones, sometimes you can't see your instruments because of the glare. So you want to get non-polarized ones that kind of dim that the light from the sun. And we have some cheap ones for like 15 bucks linked in Amazon that are like aviator classic aviator styles that I've, cause I always sit on my sunglasses. So I've sat on those like 10 times and so I just always buy cheap sunglasses because I know that I can't, I can't, you know, keep them from breaking. All right. And then the last things that you're going to absolutely need is you're going to need a chart supplement. And this is per region. And we have every single region chart supplement linked here. So you just click the chart supplement and you can find your region and you want to click that. The chart supplement is going to have all the information for the airports in that region. And it is a must have for your flight training. And then you're also going to need the VFR sectional charts or terminal area charts in your area. So if you're flying around an airport with a terminal area chart, I recommend getting that as well as a VFR sectional chart for your area. So again, we have all those sectionals, like the regions of those sectionals listed out here. So you can just find it right there and we link straight to that. And again, those, those are both like, I think sectional charts are like 15 bucks or less and chart supplements are like 20 bucks or less. So that's it. So you can, Especially if you go with the part-time pilot on our ground school, you can do a, get a far aim for about 25 bucks, a plotter tool for about 15 bucks, paper E6B for about 15 bucks. So now we're looking at 50 bucks total. Uh, you can get a, a log book for about 12 bucks. So now we're at 62 bucks. You can get a, a knee board for about 35 bucks. And so now we're around hundred dollars. You can use an old backpack. You can get a $20 flashlight with red light on Amazon. So now 120 bucks. $15 pair of sunglasses, 135 bucks chart supplement. Now we're at 155 bucks and a VFR sectional. We're about 170 bucks. So that's it. You can be real frugal and get everything you need just by doing that right there. Save yourself hundred, 200 bucks by not getting things that you don't really need. And one thing I like to tell my students is, you know, these are good things to reward yourselves, you know, celebrate the victories. Like if you get to, you have your first solo, maybe you celebrate by and reward yourself by buying your own flight bag or you're buying an iPad, right? I always recommend students learn to fly and navigate without an iPad and for flight until they do a solo cross country and then reward yourselves with that. And it'll make flying a lot easier. But now again, you know how to fly without it. So if it dies, if it overheats, you are a better pilot, more competent pilot in that situation because you learned without it. So we have a couple more sections. We have stuff you don't need, but will make your life much easier. So we have, you might've think, what about headsets? Well, most flight clubs or flight schools, you can borrow or rent. I know my flight school, I can borrow for free. It was kind of included with the rental rate of the aircraft, you know, some of their headsets. So you can just borrow one, but if you don't want to, you know, fly with a stinky, sweaty pair of <laughs> headsets that another student just used, you can get your own headset, but I don't think most schools, you don't need them. If you're flying with your own aircraft and your own instructor, you're probably going to need one. So in here, we have a company called core aviation and they make an amazing set and affordable set of headsets. I've had my set for, uh, gosh, I don't know, like 10 years. And I even reached out to them. I said, these, these are so great that they're so cheap. And they said, we'd love for you, you know, kind of partner with you guys and provide your students with a coupon code. So coupon code is part-time pilot, no spaces, no capital, and you get 15% off. So you can get your own headsets that again, I've had mine for years and years. 
uh, for I think less than $100. They were doing a deal. I don't know if they're still doing the deal, but it's around $100 with that 15% off and free shipping. So again, coupon code part time pilot. We have that link in there. So, or, you know, again, if you're going to spend a lot of money, if you have a lot of money, right, that's great. I do recommend the bows. I rewarded myself with bows after I got my pilot's license. Actually, my, my parents did bought me a gift. So uh, those are going to be about twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars, but they are noise canceling and they are great. But you don't have to do those. The core aviation ones, they worked for me just fine. It's up to you. Those are things that'll make your life easier if you don't want to borrow them. And then the next items are an iPad, right? We talked about that iPad and ForeFlight. So getting an iPad, I, I don't recommend getting the biggest iPad, you know, and you can even get refurbished ones, which we have linked to here on Amazon. You can just get a refurbished iPad, just use it just for ForeFlight. And then you don't need cellular plan for the iPad. You can add that. I've heard that it works. Uh, the signal works at most altitudes, but sometimes it is spotty. But what you can do is you can get a portable GPS. And I highly, highly recommend this one, Dual Electronics. It's this little portable GPS that you just stick on the dashboard of your aircraft and it Bluetooth connects with your iPad. So you can get and gives you a GPS signal. So you can get an iPad, refurbished iPad for like three, 400 bucks on Amazon. You can get this dual electronic portable GPS for about 100, 120 bucks. Combine those, you know, you link them up. And then if you have ForeFlight or Garmin or whatever, you'll have your GPS signal in ForeFlight on the maps. Boom, just like that for, you know, less than 500 bucks. So that's what I did. And I'm still doing that today. So if you don't have a fancy dancy, you know, GPS in your aircraft and you want to go that route, I highly, highly recommend that. Even that dual electronic GPS I had sitting and baking in the hot sun probably getting over 130, 140 degrees. It's never once failed me. Fantastic product, super light, super easy to use. So I highly, highly recommend that. And then some other things that might make your life easier or be helpful when flying. And that is a knife with a something that, you know, you could cut a seatbelt off in an emergency or you could break a window in an emergency let's say you're in water or something like that, that might be nice to have. Nice to have a pocket knife. Fuel tester, right? Your flight school or flight club should have one. But again, if you have your own aircraft or something, you'll want a fuel tester so you can sample the fuel, make sure there's no particulates or water in there. Some foggles. So your instructor again should have this. But again, if you're, you know, if you're flying with a freelance instructor and they don't have it, you might want to get a pair of foggles as well. So we have those linked in there. We have the, the E6B, electronic e6b in here again again that'll make your life easier uh, most aircraft have a timer so when you fly across the country plan you want to time how long it takes each of your check points to take um, but if you don't have a watch we've we've got some cool watches in here one's just like 13 dollars electronic watch on amazon that i have used and it it still works just fine i've i now have an apple watch but i've used that in the past do you want to get a watch a portable charger especially if you have an iPad or a phone that you want to use or that GPS, again, that GPS portable GPS lasts, the battery lasts forever on that thing. It's always good to have backup portable charger in there. You can get those for like 20, 25 bucks on Amazon. And then uh, like a throw up bag. So again, vomit bag should be in your aircraft, but just in case, especially if you want to fly passengers, you should have one or two of these in your flight bag to use. So you can, we have those linked. 
And then for those really that just they want to be cool, they want to go on some adventures. We have two-way satellite communicators that that we recommend. You know, if you ever get lost and there's no cell tower reception, you have this, you know, the ultimate tool to communicate via satellite to make sure that you you can get some help. We have pulse oximeters. So this is a handy tool to know that if you're experiencing some hypoxia, it tells you the percent of oxygen in your blood. So if that gets low, then you may have some carbon monoxide poisoning or some low oxygen due to hypoxia. So that thing, you can test that as you go up in altitude to really test if you need to add supplemental oxygen or not. You know, that's more so for the planes that fly a little bit higher than most trainer aircraft, but a cool thing to have. You can buy these portable cans of oxygen that you can just inhale with. Nice to have. I have one that I take on high elevation hikes. Uh, you can have, if you're flying over water, you have a safety jacket that inflates. In, uh, it's a good emergency thing to have around. It's a really compact and tight one that's on Amazon for 60 bucks. A small first aid kit that just has, you know, like things like band-aids, suture kits, and things like that. All these cool tools in there that might be half good to have for survival, only like 12 bucks. A waterproof lighter. Again, a survival type thing that's really cool to have. A CO2 analyzer. Again, you can put that in your cockpit and it'll analyze if you have CO2 coming out so you can avoid getting carbon monoxide poisoning. A baggage weight thing. It's just a cool little hook that you hang your baggage on, tells you the weight of your baggage so you can have accurate weight and balance calculations. You can get by with estimating, but again, for those nerds out there that want to be exact, got that for you. For real long cross-country flights, if you want to you know, do some endurance flights, they got some pee bags. So you, you don't have to stop to, to relieve yourself. We also have uh, a cool like pen that just has a bunch of like a utility pen. It's got like knife, flashlight, windshield breaker. It's like a cool tactical pen. Just some cool things uh, listed on here. But again, none of this stuff is what you need. That's just part of the cool things to have. And then we talked about already the things that you absolutely need to have. So I thought that'd be a good way to break it down for you guys. This took a long time to answer. So I apologize, but let's get to the episode now. I know for those that are waiting for that, they're probably like, okay, hurry up. What is taking so long? But, but I think that was important information that I know we get asked a lot. So hopefully you found that helpful. And I think that was a great question in the group and something that other people will find helpful. So, all right, without further ado, let's get to section 12 on cross country, lesson 13 on ground school and magnetic heading. Okay, so if you're following along in the online ground school, which again, I highly recommend, you wanna to go to your, my courses, you wanna look for step one online ground school private pilot lessons. And then inside that, you wanna to go to section 12 on cross country planning and lesson 13 in that section on ground speed and magnetic heading. All right, so we're now ready for our final airspeed calculations. This is where we take our just calculated true airspeed from the last two episodes and convert them to a ground speed by correcting for wind factors. We're also going to find a wind correction factor to get our magnetic headings. To accomplish this, we will use the back side of our E6B, that's the wind side of the E6B, or if you have an electronic E6B, you're going to use your ground speed and heading function. And the directions on your manual E6B, the directions to find a ground speed and wind correction angle are listed on top of the E6Bs, and which is handy because you're going to get this on the FA written exam, and those directions are on there. But so instead of repeating these directions, I'm going to put them in my own words in case the words on the E6B aren't making sense to you. Before we do that, though, we need to go over something in regards to magnetic heading. And we kind of covered this already, right? We we got our true course 
and then we corrected for variation to get magnetic course but there's a, a few basically we want magnetic heading and there's a few ways to get there so i want to talk about that and try to avoid some confusion magnetic heading is a direction the nose is pointed reference to magnetic north so that's what we want when we fly in order to get a magnetic heading we need to convert from a true heading and in order to get a true heading we need to get a true course this can get confusing so i want to offer some different explanations in hopes they fix the confusion now the reason we want to start with a true heading when we apply our wind correction angle is because usually we have the wind data in terms of true remember if you read it it's true and when we read wind data from winds aloft chart or any sort of forecast that we get when we're planning on the ground we're reading the wind data so it's going to be in terms of true direction and we can't apply a wind correction angle from winds that are not in terms of true to a true heading okay so they have to match if we were to have a magnetic heading uh sorry if we were to have to apply for example winds to a magnetic course to get a magnetic heading we would have to have winds in terms of magnetic and you can still convert wind direction from true to magnetic just like you would a course direction right so we convert a true course to a magnetic course using variation you can do that with winds too so we can do that but why do that if we don't have to right when we read the data when we're flight planning when we read wind data it's going to be in terms of true when we're flying and we you know atc tells us wind data that's going to be in terms of magnetic because when we're flying we're using our magnetic compass so that's why they give it to us but we're not going to be flight planning you know we might while we're flying and if that's the case and you get your wind data just remember that it's in terms of magnetic okay so i'm probably confusing you guys so let's kind of go over all this when using your plotter and a sectional or terminal area chart you are determining your true course this is what we did a few episodes ago some software programs will automatically convert the true course to magnetic course for example for flight when you tap on the little thing and you you know with two fingers and you determine your course on the map on for flight it's going to give you your magnetic course but if it doesn't your magnetic course is true course corrected for variation and variation is found with isogonic lines isogonic lines on the charts will give you the variation which you can use to convert true course to magnetic course your magnetic heading is your magnetic course corrected for winds and this is the same thing for true headings and courses your true heading is your magnetic heading sorry is your true course corrected for winds so again i'm kind of confusing myself but when you go from true to magnetic you correct for variation when you go from course to heading you correct for winds so you can have a true course and correct it for winds to get a true heading because whenever you correct for winds you go from course to heading or you could have a true course and correct it for variation to get to magnetic course okay so whenever you correct for variation you go from true to magnetic so if we want magnetic heading there's multiple ways to get there right you can go to from a true course measured on a chart we'll always start with that a true course measured on a chart correct those for winds to get true heading remember winds go from course to heading and then take that true heading and correct it for variation to go from again whenever we correct for variation we go from true to magnetic and now we have a magnetic heading that we use for flight or again you can start with your true course measured on the chart correct for variation to get a magnetic course and this is what we did a few episodes ago and then correct that for winds the magnetic course for winds 
to get magnetic heading and use that for flight. Now, again, I want to mention that what we're about to do is we're about to use the E6B to find a wing correction angle. And if you look at the directions on E6B, it mentions true direction. And that's because it expects you to use true winds. So we're going to have to go back to our true course or we can convert our winds to magnetic and still use our E6B but with a magnetic course. Whichever way we do it, we want to have winds and course in terms of magnetic or winds and course in terms of true to find our wind correction angle. Okay, but if we do it both in true, we're going to end up with a true heading after our wind correction angle. So we still aren't yet there to magnetic heading, so we'll then have to add back in variation to get to the magnetic heading. I like to just do it in terms of magnetic course because we've already calculated magnetic course. So if we just get our wind data in terms of magnetic, we can just use the same directions on the E6B, but instead of where it says true, we know it's magnetic. So we use a magnetic course with magnetic winds. And then our answer after we use our wind correction angle is going to be magnetic heading, which is what we want. So the only thing we have to do is we just have to convert our winds from true to magnetic. Again, if you read it, it's true. So we read the winds in a forecast. So it's in terms of true. Now we just need to add or subtract variation to that value to get the winds in terms of magnetic. So just like we did a course, you know, east is least. So east variation is negative. So if we have a easterly variation, we're going to subtract it. And then if we have a west variation, we're going to add it to our true wind direction to get our magnetic wind direction. So for example, if our winds are from 180 at 10 knots, we read that in a forecast, that's our true winds. And if our variation is east variation at 11 degrees, we're gonna subtract 11 from that 180 direction to get 169 degrees. So our winds are now 169 at 10 knots. The, the knots, the speed of the wind doesn't change, just the direction. So 169 at 10 knots is our winds in terms of magnetic. And now we can use that with our magnetic course on our wind side of our E6B to get a wind correction angle that we can apply to that magnetic course to get our magnetic heading. Okay, and the last thing I wanna mention is why do we use magnetic heading? Well, again, heading is where your nose is pointed. And then magnetic, we wanna use magnetic because we're using the magnetic compass or we're calibrating our heading indicator off that magnetic compass. So everything we're looking at in the cockpit is in terms of magnetic. And then our nose is pointed, that's the heading. And then we can get a compass heading. So what's the difference between a compass heading and magnetic heading? Compass heading is just magnetic heading corrected for deviation error. And deviation error is per each compass, right? And there's a little deviation error card right below the compass in your cockpit. So you just correct for that and you are using a compass heading. All right, so now that we have that sort of sorted out, hopefully I didn't confuse all of you to no end. Just remember like our goal is magnetic heading. If we wanna convert, you know, when we're using the E6B, we wanna use either magnetic course and magnetic winds or true course and true winds. Just know if we use true course and true winds, we're gonna end up with a true heading after we apply the wind correction angle and we still need to add variation to that to get to magnetic heading. All right, so here is the procedure to use the wind side of the E6B. So for the checkbook, you are calculating set magnetic wind direction under the true index. This means finding our magnetic wind direction on the white wheel and placing that value directly under the upside down triangle, which is the true index that is on the outer black portion of the E6B. Then 
set the center point grommet of your E6B, that's a small hole in the center, that's what they call the grommet, directly over the 100 point. So the 100 marking on the scale behind the clear part of the wheel. So this is not something that's in the E6B directions, but I tell students to just do it at 100, set the grommet to 100 because it's easier for your calculations. It could be, you could put it at 120, 140, 80. You can put it at anything you want. Just make it a round number. I like to use 100 because it's about in the middle of the E6B and it's easy to measure up from 100 because in a bit we're going to measure up from that value and we need to know how many we're measuring up. Might as well use a round easy number like 100. But again, it's arbitrary what you use. Just you're going to have to remember what it's set at. So the next step is to mark a wind dot up from that grommet. And then this is the amount of wind speed. So our grommet's at 100. Again, this is why we put it at 100. So if our wind is 12 knots, we're going to mark, and you can do this with a pen and, or a pencil, and it, it'll just wipe off on a manual E6B, and make a little dot 12 units up, and you use the grid lines you know, behind the clear plastic portion of the wheel. There's, there'll be grid lines. You want to follow that center line, vertical center line up 12 units in this example because the wind is 12, however many knots our wind is, on that center line up from our grommet point, 12 units or whatever the amount of units are for your wind and make a dot right there. Okay, so that's, again, it's why it's easy to put the grommet at 100 because you can just make the mark at 112, 100 plus whatever your wind speed is. The next step is you're going to set magnetic course under true index. This means spin the white wheel until the value of your magnetic course on the white wheel is now under the true index, which again is the upside down triangle. As you move the wheel, you will see the wind mark we just made move accordingly. Next, we're going to slide the card so the true airspeed arc is under the wind dot. So the dot we made for the wind velocity is going to spin as we spin it in the wheel to the magnetic course. And now we're going to slide the whole entire wheel up and down so that that wind dot is on the arc that represents our true airspeed. So as you can see behind the plastic part of the wheel, there's arcs and each arc has a value and we want to put it on our true airspeed. So if our true airspeed is 150, 115, we're going to slide the wheel up or down until that wind dot, you want to make sure that the wheel is not spinning around we just want to slide it up and down without spinning it so that that wind dot sits on the 115 arc once you've done that underneath the grommet the value on the vertical scale is your ground speed so once you do that line up boom you have your ground speed that's what's under the grommet okay so you're just going to read off whatever your ground speed is then the wind correction angle is going to be measured from center line to the wind dot so left or right of that center line to the wind dot is your wind correction angle. And there's there's little lines, kind of diagonal lines or rays that are marked by like 5, 10, 15 degrees wind correction angle. Again, it's measured from this vertical line on diagonal lines, starting from the center vertical line. And then each line is 2 degrees and then the bold lines are 10 degrees. It might be different. You might have 5 degree and 10 degree lines, but it'll say there on the on the scales on the lines. If your pencil mark is to the right of center, so if you have to move to the right of the center vertical line, the wind correction value will be positive. So right is positive, and if it's to the left, your wind correction value will be negative. And again, this is told to you on your E6B. 
So it has a little formula. It says WCA for wing correction angle, and it says positive right, negative left. Just an easy way for you to remember that because it's printed on the E6B. All right, so you're, we're going to record a ground speed in the corresponding column of your cross-country planner for that checkpoint, and then we'll record the wing correction angle in another column of our nav log for that checkpoint. We can now make the conversion from a magnetic course to a magnetic heading by simply adding the value of our wing correction angle. Again, that might be negative, it might be positive. So if we're adding a negative, that's simply like subtracting the number. And if we're adding a positive, that's just adding positive, right? Just adding the number. So again, magnetic heading equals magnetic course plus or minus that wind correction angle. Again, because that wind correction angle could be negative or it could be positive. Calculate each checkpoint's magnetic heading and record it on the corresponding column of the nav log. The magnetic heading is what you will use to fly on your heading indicator inside the aircraft since it is your direction corrected for both winds and magnetic variation. Note, depending on the E6B, the E6B's instructions may tell you to use true course or magnetic course. In either case, just make sure you have the winds in the matching direction. Again, we talked about this before. Just want to tell you one more time that we decided to go with magnetic course. So we converted our winds to magnetic winds so that we could just do magnetic course, magnetic winds to get and end up with, after we applied the wind correction angle, our magnetic heading. All right. So let's do now an example. So before we get to the examples, there's a really cool tool that we have linked in the online ground school made by the University of North Dakota. It's an online E6B emulator, and it's really, really helpful for doing things online and especially for me as an instructor to be able to show, you know, pictures of, of the E6B, I'm able to do it right along with the students. So we have, as you can see, if you're following along, we have exact pictures of the E6B with, you know, notes on top of it and markings of exactly where these examples should be in the so you have a perfect visual and step-by-step -step example of each step in the ground school so if you want to use that tool yourself that it's linked in there and i'll put that in the show notes so at this point in your cross-country planning you have gathered all your true airspeed and magnetic courses but you have yet to factor in any contributions due to wind consider the scenario where you use the true airspeed and distance to each checkpoint to come up with the time to each checkpoint without any factor of winds included in the calculation. If there was a considerable head or tailwind, your time calculations would be way off. The same goes for using a magnetic course rather than a magnetic heading that factors the expected winds into it. So to correct our magnetic course or true course and true airspeeds for winds, we will use the wind side of our E6B. Here are some examples. So in the first example, let's consider the following flight plan and checkpoints. So checkpoint one, checkpoint two, and checkpoint three. So at checkpoint one, we have an altitude of 2,300 feet, true course of 240 degrees, isogonic variation of negative 11 degrees, magnetic course of 229 degrees, true airspeed of 92 knots, and winds in true direction are 210 at eight knots. Checkpoint two, we're at an altitude of 5,500 feet, true course of 170 degrees, isogonic negative 11 degrees, magnetic course then is 159 degrees, true airspeed is 96 knots, and winds are 250 at 15, again in terms of true. Checkpoint three, we're at 7,500 feet, we have a true course of 135 degrees, isogonic is now negative 10, so that gives us the magnetic course. Again, going from true course to a magnetic course, we add the isogonic, it's a negative number, so 135 essentially minus 10, it gives us 125 degrees for a magnetic course. True airspeed is 107 knots. 
and then winds in terms of true again are 150 at 18 knots. Depending on your preference or the instructions written on your E6B, you can use true course and magnetic course as long as you use the matching winds as we spoke about. Again, I prefer to use winds in terms of a magnetic direction with my magnetic courses so that when I'm done with my E6B, I have my final magnetic heading. However, you can just as easily use true winds and true courses to get true heading and then convert the true heading to a magnetic heading by correcting for magnetic variation using the isogonic lines on your sectional chart. I am going to use magnetic winds and magnetic course. So this means since I got my wind info by reading them from a winds aloft chart, that means they're in terms of true and I need to convert them to magnetic. So to do that, I just add the isogonic variation. So for checkpoint one, wind direction was from 210. So if I subtract 11 degrees of variation, that's going to be 199 degrees. Checkpoint two, they were from 250. So subtracting 11 degrees of variation was 239 degrees. And then checkpoint three, it was from 150 degrees. The variation was minus 10. So that gives us 140 degrees. So now with my winds in terms of magnetic, I can use my E6B starting with checkpoint one with a magnetic wind of 199 degrees and magnetic course of 229 degrees. So first I'm gonna set wind direction under the true index. So my wind direction is 199 degrees. I spin my wheel until 199 is under that true index up at the top. Then I'm gonna slide my wheel so that the grommet is over a round number. I said earlier you could do it at 100. Here in this example, I have it at 160. So I'm gonna mark my wind velocity up from that point at 160. My wind velocity is eight knots. So I mark it at the 168 arc on that vertical scale on the center line. Next, I'm gonna set my course, my magnetic course under true index. So I'm gonna spin the wheel until 229 degrees, which is my magnetic course, is now under the true index. When I do that, my wind mark is also gonna spin around on the wheel. Next, I'm going to slide the wheel up and down so that my wind mark is on my true airspeed. So arcs for true airspeed, there's different arcs behind the plastic part of your E6B and my true airspeed is 92 knots. So I wanna slide it until my wind dot, the dot I made for wind is sitting on the arc that represents 92 knots. So once I do that, now my ground speed is gonna be red under the grommet. So now the grommet on that vertical line, the scale of the arcs is at about 84 knots. That's what's under the grommet, the middle grommet. So my ground speed is 84 knots. And then now my wind correction angle is going to be either to the left or right of center. If it's to the left, it's a negative and to the right, it is a positive. And then these are, this is going to be on the scale of diagonal lines that kind of span out almost like rays of sunlight, right? So to the left, we, I see a negative 10. It's not quite there. It's about at negative three and a half. If I kind of eyeball it to the left of center on those, on that kind of, diagonal line scale. So my wind correction angle is going to be negative three and a half degrees. If we repeat this process for all the checkpoints, we're going to come up with the following information for ground speed and wind correction angle at each checkpoint. With the wind correction angle, we can determine our magnetic heading using magnetic heading equals magnetic course plus our wind correction angle, where the wind correction angle is negative when read from the left side of the center of the E6B and positive when on the right side. So for checkpoint one, we get a ground speed of 84 knots. I recommend doing this along, you know, go back, rewind it to where I mentioned all the checkpoint information and calculate this yourselves and see what you get. So checkpoint one ground speed is 84 knots. Wind correction angle we said was negative three and a half. So our magnetic heading is 229 
plus a negative three and a half. That's the same thing as 229 minus three and a half. Gives us 225 and a half degrees for our magnetic heading. Checkpoint two, we had a ground speed of 92 knots when we repeated that process at checkpoint two. Our wind correction angle is plus nine. So our magnetic heading is 159, 159 plus nine. So that's the magnetic course plus our wind correction angle of nine it gives us 168 degrees. And then checkpoint three, we got a ground speed. When we did it again, we got a ground speed of 90 knots. We got a wind correction angle of plus two and a half. And that gives us a magnetic heading. If we do our magnetic course of 125 plus the two and a half of 127 and a half. Once you have accomplished this with each checkpoint, you will you now will have your speed and direction corrected for winds. You will fly using your magnetic heading and you'll base your time calculations on your grounds. You will then use your time calculations to determine your fuel during cruise and descent. This is why it is critical that you account for winds because it ends up factoring into your fuel calculations, which are very important and which we will get to in the next couple episodes. All right, it's kind of hard to do these examples in a podcast, but I do have some videos for you with some examples that I'll put in the show notes, how to calculate ground speed and wind correction angle, uh, how to calculate magnetic heading, and even a private pilot FAA written exam example. But again, I have to note that on the private pilot written exam example, especially this one I have here in the fourth example of a tricky one that they used to use a lot, we are not seeing hardly any of these on the FAA written that our students are taking for private pilot. So just be cognizant of that. I keep, I'm going to keep it in the ground school because just in case, you know, one or two students are seeing maybe one, maybe two calculation questions. And I'm not quite sure they're, they're the FAA is very vague. You know, when they tell us what, what's actually going to be in there, we don't actually get, you know, even if some test prep company says that they know the exact questions that'll be on it, it's not true. The FAA does not tell companies what's on the test we just use all the information available to us and feedback from students to come up with these questions but yeah so i'm going to leave that in the ground school for those students that want to go through that but for the podcast and the audio lesson i'm not going to go through that because again like i said it's tough to do so and we're not really seeing these on the fa written exam so i don't want to spend too much time on them and get you all caught up in those when for the fa written exam it's a little bit more important to kind of learn all the other stuff you got to learn instead of getting caught up in like a tricky question that they used to use that we aren't really seeing them use anymore. All right. So thank you guys for listening. That's it for today. A little bit of a longer episode in next week's episode. We're going to continue on with our cross country planning. I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but now that we have ground speed and our winds are corrected for our speed in, in our ground speed, we can now get the time it's going to take us to each checkpoint. And then we'll get a total time it'll take us. And then once we have that, we can determine how much fuel we're going to use because we're going to have a fuel rate, fuel consumption rate that we'll be using in each stage of flight. And we use time to get the estimated amount of fuel we're going to be using. Then finally, we're going to go over takeoff and landing performance charts, kind of the last step you'll do there. In the ground school, we have two more lessons that finish off this cross country section. Uh, it's more practice with the paper manual E6B. So we have a bunch more examples of things you can calculate with the manual E6B. And then we have a lesson just on tutorials and examples for the Sporties electronic E6B. Now I'm not going to go over that on the podcast. Again, those examples are kind of hard to do so. 
and they're they're meant for our online ground school students okay so thank you guys for listening as always and please share with your friends the podcast the ground school everything you've learned it really helps us out and if you want to get your review read off on the podcast then please leave a review and until next week i will chat with you guys later Hey guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is, you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times. And then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. If we do have to think about these things, it's going to put us behind mentally and we're going to be behind the aircraft. And when you're behind the aircraft mentally, bad things happen. And this happens when you don't have a good understanding of the ground school content. So now the first 10 to 15 hours of your flight training can go smooth, even if you don't have a good understanding of ground training, right? You can go up for a discovery flight, have a blast. You can go up, learn how to take off, learn how to land. You may be even able to solo for the first time, fly a plane for the first time everything's great and dandy once you get into you know bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with atc for bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight things get a little more advanced and when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts you're gonna hit a wall you're gonna start to get behind the aircraft when this happens if you have a good flight instructor they're going to stop you and they're going to say okay we need to do one-on-one ground lessons and now you're going to be paying your flight instructor to not even fly with you but instead 50 60 70 dollars an hour to just teach you the ground school content that you should already know and and the worst part is is you're not flying with them so the flight training that you gain the currency the proficiency that you gained is going to be lost and you're going to have to redo those lessons what happens to most student pilots is they continuously hit these mental blocks where they get behind the aircraft they start making mistakes and then they catch up with the ground knowledge only to have that happen again and they start to get in this vicious cycle of having to redo trainings and repay for trainings until it gets to the point where them or their family they finally say you know what this has to stop we can no longer afford the training costs uh, without any progress you know and they end up quitting now so how do we avoid that well, here comes part-time pilot. Again, I said I went through my own experience of this and I realized that 
most flight training and ground training is not tailored to the modern day student pilot. And when I say modern day student pilot, I should say modern day part-time student pilot because let's face it, there's a very small percentage of us that can go and dedicate 24-7, 365 to our flight training or not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You wanna avoid being boring, you wanna avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways. And you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic, again, tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot. Or you can read through our written lessons. You know, I like to read, so for those of you that like to read, you can read through the lessons, you can see the step-by-step examples and the procedures that we have. Or you can look through our study guide and see our diagrams and mnemonic devices, have that visual cue, those visual cues and aids that help further your understanding. Or you can watch our videos, or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community to form study groups, get questions answered 24-7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, keep from having that burnout, and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on online ground school, and we'll see you inside the online ground school. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.